How is everyone? All right. That didn't sound too good at all. Y'all doing good? All right. I'm going to introduce our speaker. Here he is, Brother Colt Mackerel. He's going to come here in a little while. Brother Colt is going to sing as well. Is your wife singing with you? Okay. They're going to sing. Uh, he is missionary to Romania. Y'all give him your undivided attention. And let's just enjoy the Lord tonight. Stars in the night, I wonder At your lightning in the sky, I shudder Your glory is a blanket that covers Every living thing And I'm in awe at the majesty of who you are Love is a seal burnt inside my heart All of the day I want to be where you are Holy Father And it feels like there's not enough grace inside of me With all these words All my heart can sing is holy. You are holy. And Jesus Christ, you pledged your love, laid down yourself, and gave me life. In naked shame, you hung and you were Oh, 
Good evening. How's everyone doing? Y'all good and tired? Better not be. Somebody's got to keep me awake. Well, my name is uh, Colt Mackerel. Uh, my beautiful wife, Amy, who was up here singing with me, and our two beautiful daughters, Layla, who is the oldest, uh, two years old, and Eliza Renee, our youngest, just turned one back in February. We are missionaries going to Romania, and I want to take this opportunity to say thank you so very much, uh, first of all, to Brother Josh for letting me fill in an appointment last minute. It was just a couple weeks ago. I gave him a call, and I said, look, I've got an open date. I'm going to be in Hamburg. Is it a possibility? And he's without, well, I mean, he just right automatically said, of course it is. Uh, we can make it happen. And so I just want to say thank you all so much for having us out this evening to share with you the burden that God has placed on our heart to go to the people of Romania and spread the gospel. Just a quick testimony about myself. I was born and raised here in uh, Arkansas, Cabot, Arkansas, where I, was, where I grew up. I was homeschooled, uh, graduated through that. I uh, went to church at Faith Missionary Baptist Church in Cabot, Arkansas. Any of you familiar with that church? That's where I grew up and uh, was saved at the age of 12 and baptized there into that church. I surrendered to the ministry at 16, which is also when I took my first uh, missions trip to Romania. God opened my eyes to the great need there and the people of Romania and the country of Romania. It uh, wasn't until I was 18 and my second trip to Romania that I actually surrendered to the call to preach. Uh, Brother Jerry Chandler is my father-in-law. I uh, married his youngest daughter there. <laughs> he uh, counseled with me. I went over there, uh, twofold purpose. One primary reason was to take uh, his youngest daughter on, a, on her first date in Romania. The second one however, was to shadow Brother Jerry and to see what it was like on a day-to-day basis on the mission field because he had warned me. He said, I know you're talking about being called to the mission field, but let me warn you about something, son. He said, people can get caught up in in the romance of the mission field. They think that going on the short-term mission trip is what it's like every day on the mission field, but he said the reality is that's not true. The reality is just like you have bad days at home, there's bad days here except you're a few thousand miles away from your, from your family, from your best friends. And so sometimes that makes it a whole lot worse. And he says, so, you know, you need, to, you need to shadow a missionary. He didn't think it would be him, though. And so I went over there and I shadowed him, worked alongside him for about six, uh, six weeks. And I also surrendered to preach there. Announced that call to preach there at my home church in Faith and Cabot. Immediately went to the Little Rock Missionary Baptist Seminary. I uh, was privileged, however, to uh, transfer all those credits to the CABI and Benton, Arkansas. was uh, able to graduate with an associates of Bible studies there. And on my third trip, which was last year, to Romania, all this while I've been praying about how the Lord would uh, lead us and direct us on the mission field and whether or not it would be to Romania. On this third trip, God solidified it in my heart that He was truly calling us to do a work there in Romania. And so just kind of in a brief nutshell, that's my testimony that's who God uh, took me from where I was a, a, a spoiled, rotten church brat who thought he was uh, good in and of himself to a broken teenager who realized his desperate need for a Savior and now to a, a humble, I hope you get the attitude, a humble missionary servant going to serve a people in a country in Eastern Europe. Our sending church is Langdon Street Baptist Church out of Somerset, Kentucky. Our pastor is uh, Jerry Chandler. 
He's my father-in-law, and he's also a veteran missionary to the field in which we're going. He served about uh, 10, 11 years there on the field there. And so uh, we'll be in the same area in that capacity. Now, Romania, uh, just to kind of give you some stats here about the country. When I, when I say Romania, do you guys, you guys know where I'm talking about? The general idea? Okay. Um, when, you look at the, when you look at the country, what's the first image that pops in your mind? What does it look like to you? A fish. That's exactly right. I get that response. I have not got a different response anywhere, have we, Amy? They all say it looks like a fish. And that, it's true. It looks like a little goldfish. We're going specifically to Brasov. Brasov, Romania. Now, to get into the country, you have to fly into Bucharest there at the bottom. You see the capital. Is this having a... Yeah, Bucharest right there. Right over here for you guys. That's where you fly in. And then we travel three and a half hours, roughly. Three hours, three and a half hours north into Brasov. That is where we'll be ministering. Now, the country of Romania, roughly uh, the size is about the size of the state of Oregon. Population, however, is roughly 20 to 22 million people. And in the city of Brasov, it boasts a population of almost 300,000 people. And less than 1% profess Jesus as their Savior. Now, why we're going over there is to plant indigenous churches in and around the Brasov area. Our primary goal when we first get there on the field, for me, will be to be culture adaptation. Uh, culture shock will very quickly set in, and to also learn the language. I'm already taking steps to learn the language. My uh, wonderful wife is fluent. She'll tell you that she's not fluent. She's very humble about it. But uh, I've seen her in action in Romania. She's fluent in Romanian. And um, she's been teaching me, and I've been taking uh, steps. I was just talking to Brother Josh about that earlier, to learn the language. But our goal during that time also is to plant indigenous churches in and around the Brasov area. Now, that building there is a building in Zarnesh, which is a village just outside of the uh, city of Brasov. And uh, we'll be working alongside an already established church in Feldawara, another village outside of Brasov, to help them start a work there in Zarnesh. Now, that's not our only goal. We're not going to plant that church and say, well, that's it, that's what we came for. Our goal is to not only see that work started there in Zarnesh, but to then into the inner cities of Brasov. Now, in the city of Brasov, a city of 300,000 people, you tell me, how many churches do you think we need? How many churches are in the state of Arkansas, the state of Texas? We need more scriptural churches. To my knowledge, no one has corrected me yet, and please correct me if I'm wrong. To my knowledge, there is not one scriptural church in the city of Brasov. There used to be. It is split. Now, Brother Mike and Sister Julie Rogers are working in the Brashov area to see a work started there. So that's one. There needs to be many, many more work started. So our, our goal is broad. And then once, once the, we see that happen, my vision, my vision is, is just is, is grand. I want to see the entire country turn their hearts to the Lord. We're going to be training indigenous pastors through the Romanian Bible Institute, training up young men to then lead those churches. And that's the key, guys. That's why I use the word twice, indigenous. We want Romanians taking the charge in this. We're just there to kind of be the, you know, this, the, this yes, the bouncing wall of it all. We want to point them in the right direction. We want to point them to Jesus, but we want to equip them with the tools that they need to do it. And that's, that's one of the things we're doing. Now, the final thing is to help with the humanitarian relief work. Now, this relief work allows us 
about once a month we go out and we buy a bunch of groceries, just staple grocery items. I'm not talking about a 12-pack of Pepsi or nothing like that. Staple grocery items to needy families like the picture you see there of that family and serious medical needs that arise. Now, um, one of the things that I promote while I'm on deputation is the humanitarian relief work because of the doors that it opens. Think about it. Think about the possibilities with the humanitarian relief work, the families and the lives that you're able to touch. You say, so you're creating a social program, you know, a hands-out program, a dependency? No. No, we don't want to create a dependency. And we equip these people with the tools that they need that they can help better themselves. But true needy families and true need opens the door for us to share the gospel. And that is the tool that we are going to enjoy being able to use while we're there. Now, our personal needs while we're on deputation, first and foremost, and I know you hear every missionary say this because it is truth, we need your prayers. In Romania, they have a saying, Nemic fara Dumnezeu. It means nothing without God. Nothing without God. And that is so true. While we're on deputation, pray for us. Our table is set up back there. It's got prayer cards. Pick one, pick two, three, four. I've got tons of them. Pick them up. Take them. Put them in your Bible. Put them on your refrigerator so that when you see that picture of the Romanian flag or you see our faces, you remember us and you remember the great need for the people of Romania and why we're going to that country. Pray for us that we'll have opportunities like this. Uh, go around raising awareness so that churches can then start praying about this and praying with us about this. And then also, monthly financial support partners. We're asking churches to prayerfully consider becoming monthly financial support partners. Right now, this is our biggest need. This is why we're on deputation, is to raise funds so that we can go over there and live long-term to accomplish these goals. So prayerfully consider that. Some of our immediate needs coming up will be airfare and travel. While we're on deputation, we have travel expenses, obviously. It's not uh, cheap to travel across America anymore. You can't do it under you know, 20 bucks, as they used to say. I just filled up my car for 20 bucks, and that would last some folks a couple weeks. <laughs> I had a 95 Oldsmobile before I, I sold it uh, a couple months ago, and I literally could fill it up for 20 bucks. Now, this is, this is this past year, and it would go for a month. But you know how? Because I lived right down the road from where I worked. <laughs> so, you know, you didn't spend a lot of money on gas. Airfare. Just I go on uh, Bing, go on Travelocity, any of those search engines, and uh, look up airfare. Uh, you got to type in Otopin uh, Romania and find out how much a one-way ticket is for you at your local airport to get from there. I think it will be LIT to OPT will be your ticket, and that shows you. We'll have to have four one-way tickets by the time we hopefully meet our goal because the airliners will require little Miss Eliza Renee, who will, who will at that time be two, to have her own seat. That makes sense. But still, that's what we'll have to do. And then finally, we're asking churches to prayerfully consider supporting the humanitarian financial uh, the relief work there. Now, I want to say first and foremost to those of you who are already doing that, thank you. Thank you for supporting the humanitarian relief work. It is a thriving ministry that the elders there at the church in Feldawara, they look over that, and that is a wonderful tool that they are using already. It's, it's, it's their ministry. They've, they've taken hold of it. They're, they're using it for the glory of God. We'll just, get to, we'll just get to be along for the ride and work alongside them and serve in that capacity. But uh, churches who give monthly towards that, that opens so many doors for us in the Brashov and other surrounding areas. Now, the last thing I want to ask you is... Uh, 
What do you see in that picture? Go ahead, you can you can speak up. What do you see in that picture? McDonald's, yeah, I see that too. I had a little boy who thought he was thought he was really really smart. He said, oh, I see a church in the background. <laughs> yeah, there's a church. It's more of a museum. It's an old Lutheran church. I see people. That's not a holiday, by the way. That's not a special day in Romania where, you know, they just flood the streets. That's that's called Walk Street. That's all day, every day, business hours, Walk Street. People flooding that business district right there in that square. And less than 1% profess Jesus as their Savior, brothers and sisters. Where's their eternal destination based on what we believe in God's book? Hell. So when, some, when people ask me, well, why Romania? Why leave the United States? That's why. People need Jesus. That's the ultimate reason. That's the end of the slideshow, guys. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn with me to the book of Romans. Just kind of keep your finger ready in the book of Romans. We're going to be uh, we're going to be all over the place. How many of you, if you're like me, when you have something important that you need to do and you need to get done, you have to write it down? Because if you don't write it down, what'll happen? Forget it, right? I'm the world's worst. If I don't write it down, if I don't have a sticker on my forehead preventing me from seeing in front of me, I will forget it. If Amy says, don't forget this as I'm walking out, guess what? I'm forgetting it as I walk out. That's just that's how I am. I can do everything I can to try and not forget, but just inevitable, I'm going to forget sometimes. Have you ever wrote something down? Like, go to the store, and then you get to it on your list, and you're thinking... What did I need at the store? Why did I write that down? I've done that too. (laughs) You know what's important to do is remember why we need to do something? Why we need to do something. You know, it's so easy for us as Christians. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We know the Great Commission. We've got it memorized, right? And we've heard it preached so much by missionaries and by your pastors. You've heard it preached so much that we've become numb to it in some cases. And sometimes it's good for us as Christians to kind of fall back and to remember why we do what we do. And so that's what I want to do with you this evening, if you'll bear with me. So we go through the book of Romans and we see why we obey the Lord's command to go to the nations. Why we go to the nations And number one, the reason why, is the problem. Is the problem. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 is is clear. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the problem. All have sinned. You and I and everyone on this planet have sinned. That's the problem. <laughs> I know you're thinking, this is too simple, Brother Colt. We've, we have heard this before. This is all too familiar. But just hang on with me, okay? 
I promise. It's gonna get it's gonna get better. For all have sinned. You see, that is the problem. And the and the book of Romans takes it even further. Look with me just just real briefly in chapter one. And he says in verse twenty. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. How many of you in your, in your personal witness have come across somebody and inevitably you get asked the question, well, what about the innocent guy out in the middle of, and they say some, you know, middle of nowhere, who's never heard the Gospel. So you're telling me that based on what you believe, that if he dies, he will spend an eternity in hell. Well, what's your answer? Yeah, that's what the Scripture says, right? Well, Romans 3.23 is clear, guys. All have sinned. The last time I checked, all means all. There's no excuse. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says there is no excuse. And so it teaches us that what? There is no innocent man. You're not going to find him. The only innocent man that ever walked the face of this planet died for all humanity and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. All have sinned. That's the big problem. But it gets worse, guys. Not only have we all sinned, not only are we without excuse, and there's no exceptions, there's nothing you can do about it on your own. It says we've come short of the glory of God. Let me ask you, what's the glory of God? What, what is it that we have fallen short of? Well, think about it. Who is the glory of God? Who is the express image of the Father? Jesus! And so no matter how many good works you think you have done, when you stand before the judge, holy and righteous as He is, and He opens the Lamb's book of life, and your name is not found in it, and you plead with Him and say, but I've done this, 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 and this. He's going to look at His Son and He say, you have come short. Because your righteousness is as filthy rags in comparison to Jesus. You come short. It's an old archery term. You've missed the mark. And Jesus is the mark. He's the standard by which we all compare ourselves to. You may look at the murderer in jail, the drug addict on the street getting high, and you may say, like the tax collector who was praying and the Pharisee who was praying, and the Pharisee said, I, at least I'm not like him. Jesus said in that parable, who went away more righteous? The tax collector who humbled himself and repented before the Father. We're without excuse. Now, let me, let me just make this real to you this evening. Sin is death. Romans 6.23 says what? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's break this down. Sin is death. What does this death look like? Is it just, is it just physically dying? Is that it? No. What is it? Matthew chapter 13 and verse 42 and then in verse 50 says that they'll be cast 
to the furnace of fire where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You don't have to do verse 50 because it's identical. To the fiery furnace where there will be gnashing, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, jump over with me to Revelation chapter 20, verses 14 through 15. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14 and 15. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. If you look back in chapter 14 and the first part of verse 11, it tells us what this lake of fire is like. It says, The smoke of their torment riseth up forever and ever. And it says, They are without rest day and night. Have you ever been met by that person as you're witnessing and they say, oh yeah, I know where I'm spending eternity. I get to spend eternity in hell with all my buddies and we're going to have a big party where nobody's going to be able to tell us what to do. (laughs) Does that look like a party to you? Wailing and gnashing of teeth. Weeping. The smoke of their torment riseth up forever. Sin is death. Sin is death. And that's the problem. But here's the solution, guys. Jesus is life. But the free gift of God. (laughs) The gift of God is eternal life. Sin is death. Jesus is life. And it's a free gift from the Father. Romans 5.8 is probably my most favorite verse of all. Many of you could quote it. But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. Woo! Christ died for us in that while we were yet sinners, wow, we were ill-deserving. There was not one point in my life that I deserved God's grace, God's mercy, and yet Christ still died for us. Jesus is life. He's the solution. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture for you and uh, bear with me. I think you'll enjoy this. You want tre kushaishpe, fiindca atut de multa iubit Dumnezeu lumia, ca dat pe singurul lui fiu pentru ca oracine încred în el, what passage of Scripture was that? It's John 3.16. You couldn't understand it. That was Romanian. But you know that verse in English. It's John 3.16, which says what? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever... I love that word. Whosoever believeth, not does enough good not earns their way, but believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is life. Have you ever come across someone in in your personal witness who says, well, how could a loving God send people to hell? Have you ever come across that? Did they stump you the first time? They stumped me because I was a young teenage boy when I first heard that excuse. Do you realize how humanistic that question is? How could a loving God not accept me in my depravity? 
and let me remain the same? Do you see? Do you see how unloving that is? For God to let us remain in death? God doesn't send anyone to hell. God sends His Son, Jesus. So how does a loving God love the world? He dies for it. He sends His only begotten Son so that He would go to a cross having lived an innocent, perfect life and would die in their place for their sins so they wouldn't have to remain in their death and that you and I and every person Whosoever is what that means. All we have to do is believe and we will receive what? Eternal life and forgiveness of sins and peace that passeth under all understanding, mercy and grace. It all comes with it. Jesus is life. Jesus is the solution. But here's the challenge this evening. What if I told you What if I told you that in my backyard in Kentucky, I had discovered a fountain of life? A well of life. And I realized it because after having drank it, I never aged. I never got sick. It was the fountain of youth in my backyard. I had discovered it. But you discovered that all the while, I knew about the properties of this life-saving well. My wife had cancer, but I would not share it with her. Wow. How unloving. You would tell me to my face, you do not love that woman. Guys, Jesus is our well of life. It says He's the water of life. Sitting at the well with the woman, He says, if you drink of Me, what's going to happen? You'll never thirst again. That's the power of Jesus. You must really have to hate someone knowing that you and I have access to eternal life, have access to the sovereign God of the universe, have access to Jesus and to not share that with them. You know, those words aren't mine. That was an atheist who said that. A self-proclaiming atheist stood up and on Facebook posted a, a video that said he was witnessed to by a Gideon. And he got on Facebook and he said, you know, you must really have to hate somebody to not share the Gospel with them. You know, imagine with me, if you will, my daughter... We're out finishing the service, shaking hands, talking. My daughter begins to run out to the road. And you see, and I see, this 18-wheeler barreling down the road, not paying attention to where he's going, what's in the road. And you see my little girl... And I see her going straight for the road, straight for danger, straight for death, and yet I say nothing. What would you think of me? You're an unloving father. You don't care about the safety of your children. There's imminent death coming. She'll be killed. Guys, 
your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your classmates. They are heading for imminent death. Eternal death. And you ought to be screaming at the top of your lungs, Get out of the way! You are heading for death. But how many of us in turn are silent because we're afraid they'll reject us? Well, that convicts me. Well, that convicts me. So here's the challenge, brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 10. Just read with me verses 8 through 15. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Hallelujah! Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, here's the good news for you tonight. If you are lost, if you're in that place of imminent death, because here's the reality, you're not guaranteed to walk out that door this evening. In the next five minutes, it could be your last. You're not guaranteed it. The very breath that you're inhaling and exhaling is a gift from God. And this evening you're faced with a choice. Eternal life, free. All you have to do is receive it. It's right there, black and white. Call on His name. You could do it right now. You don't have to wait for invitation. You don't have to wait to leave this building. You don't have to wait to talk to Brother Josh or your deacons or your elders. You could do it right now because the only person you have to talk to is Jesus. Call on His name. But here's the challenge for us who are saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So if it's that simple and you have it, you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you have called upon the name of the Lord and you have been saved, how did you do that? Someone told you. Because that's how God ordained it. Because in Matthew 28, He tells us to do what? That's what we're supposed to be doing. There's why. (laughs) That's how He ordained it. I've heard some pastors and preachers say, well, yeah, but they could be saved. And they could be saved if the rock cried out to them. Yeah, but God didn't tell the rocks to go. He told you to go. He told me to go. And He told us to go where? The nations. 
Not to go just as you feel like it, going about your life, doing your daily things, your daily routine. He said, go. And that word go is a command. And it means with intent. Meaning, when I wake up in the morning, I'm making disciples. I'm making disciples. When I go to school, I'm not just studying algebra. I'm making disciples. When I'm at work, not just working for my boss and doing what he tells me, I'm making disciples. When we're at church, we're not just sitting in a pew, we're making disciples. That's it. That's what we've been called to do. And there's why we do it. So will you, brother and sister in Christ, accept that challenge? And maybe God's not calling you to go to a foreign mission field. That's a reality. He doesn't call all of us to get up from here and leave and find, you know, just pick a spot on the map and go there. No. But we do need to lay our lives before our King, before our Savior, and say, you know what? It's my reasonable service to you to lay my life on the altar and to live for you. It's like laying a blank check before God and saying, Lord, you fill in the blanks. If you want me to go to Africa, I will go. But if you're just simply telling me to stay here, I'll stay here. But you, you command my destiny. You make me go. You move me. And I will follow Brother Josh.